Bokar Tov, we are doing the Haftarat of Miketz. Haftarat Miketz is from the third chapter of Melachim Aleph. <coughs> third chapter of Melachim Aleph into the fourth chapter. And it is the story of, the famous story of Shilomo and the two women who come to him with claims on one child. I think the connection between the Haftara and our parasha is going to be more textual than thematic. What I mean by that is that it's, hard, it's going to be hard to, to find any themes that are similar, but you will see words, similar words pop up. Um, the only theme you'll be able to see, per- perhaps, is that Shilomo's rise to kingship and the acceptance of him as king is going to happen through the wisdom he displays in this story. And... I mean, this among other incidents. And Yosef's rise to kingship happens in our parasha as well. So maybe that's the thematic connection, but let's see if we can find the, at least the textual connection. Shalom. Oh, look at that. And Shalomo wakes up, and behold, it was a dream. And he goes to Yerushalayim, and he stands before the Aaron, and he brings olot, he brings uh, korbanot, he makes the peace offerings, and he makes a feast for all of his servants. I think this dream is referring to his dream of that he's going to get wisdom. Right? I think that's what it is. The, bit, the Beit HaMikdash was built already by now? Huh? Hold on. In the spirit of Reverend Shlomo, what is that? The Beit HaMikdash was built already by now, no? The Beit HaMikdash, no, Shlomo will build it. Shlomo built it in the seventh chapter of, of Kings. We are in the third chapter of so Kings. His dream is more of a. No, this is Shlomo's rise to kingship. He, he, before he builds a bit of Mikdash, he needs to take over and, and claim the throne. In the first chapter of Kings, we saw that Adoniah tried to take right, the kingship. Take right? So it's only the third chapter. This is not, this is not, there isn't, hasn't, so, so we haven't seen so much of his kingship yet. Okay, so at the very, very beginning of his kingship, Again, this is going to serve to prove his king. Oh, but, oh by the way, what was the, the, the pasuk, the, the textual connection? Chalom, yeah. Shalom, yeah. So, uh, um, dream, dream. yeah, we said the same Paro. thing by Paro. Something, vehine chalom, and it was a dream. Okay, good. And then two harlots came to the king and they stood before him. What's the significance of that? Two harlots came to the king and stood before him. What's the, what's the significance? It's just like similar to last week's parasha almost. No, I'm not, I'm not talking oh, about in terms of our parasha, just in the, terms of... Oh, because he's a king and he's still willing to, yeah, to exactly. lower himself to... Like, exactly, to even, the lowest, even the lowest strata yeah. of Jewish society has equal, just, equal access to justice. It's a beautiful thing. Now, practically, would it work that the king could sit with every single harlot who made it? No, but I think the point is to show theme that justice doesn't only belong to those who are most superior. It belongs to anybody, even the lowest of the low. Okay. What? Yeah. It's a, so, so these two harlots come and they stand before the king. So one of the women goes to the king. And she says, please, my master, me and this, wo- and this woman, we were sitting in the house, in one house, and we both gave birth. And, and I gave birth, and she gave birth in the same house. 
On the third day, to my giving birth, she gave birth. And we were together. There was nobody else in the house besides for us two. And that woman, her son, dies because she mistakenly turned, rolled onto it, rolled onto the child. Okay? So she gets up in the middle of the night and she took my son from me and I was sleeping and she took the, the boy and she put it in her bosom and then her dead son she put it into my bosom. And I get up in the morning to nurse my child and he's dead. And I look at him in the morning, and I see this isn't the son that I gave birth to. Notice that she gave birth three days earlier. So she had a few days. The one, the one making the claim right now, in my opinion, seems to have a leg up in the discussion because she knows what her son looks like. So she says, hey, this isn't the one, this isn't the son I gave birth to. I've known, I've known this kid for three days already. And the other woman says, no, not, not true. My son is the live one and yours is the dead one. And the other one says, no, your son is the dead one and mine is the live one. And they speak before the king. The king says, and now he's saying this out loud, it seems like. Meaning he's weighing his options. Okay? There's a famous Seinfeld scene. It's very similar to this. You could look, it's very, it's very, very funny. Okay, you could look it up. The king says, this says, this one says, mine is the live one, and yours is the dead one. And the other one says, no, yours is the dead one, it's mine is, and mine is the live one. So when the king says, take from me a sword. And they bring the sword before the king. Now look, the king is doing this, it's all a show. Meaning even when he announces, ah, this one says, mine is alive, is alive and yours is dead. And this one says, yours is dead and mine is alive. Right? What is the king doing at this point? He's probably saying these things and gazing at the appearances of the two women to see if he could spot any abnormalities or notice any nuance that will tip off who is the liar and who's the truth teller. And then this whole thing, he brings a sword. He said, bring me a sword. And they bring him a sword before the king. And he said, okay, neither of you will have him. Cut him in half. Cut him in half and give, you guys can each have half of a dead child. Meaning, he doesn't obviously think that the child is going to live. What he's saying is, if neither of you can come to an agreement on who is telling the truth, nobody, then nobody deserves it. Okay. Give one to, half to each woman. And then the one who it was her son, because she had her her. Uh, um, Mercy was, was stirred, a compassion was stirred on the child. She said, please, my master, give the child, give the live child to the woman and do not kill him. 
And then the other one, which one who had, had be, do we know if it's the one with the three no. days old or? Oh no, no it, it doesn't knows. tell us. We don't know. I, I, you know, honestly, I think it, it probably. Yeah. I think it is. I don't know. Whoever it was that the mother is. Chances the one. that is the three days because they already the built. I up think it's the, the three days, but who knows? Okay. Another one says, no, we need, okay, fine, neither one will have, you can cut him, you can kill him, you can kill the child. What does that tell you about, about jealousy? So jealousy, so jealousy, jealousy is interesting because we would be happier with, with neither of us having something than with one of us having something and the other one not, not having. Meaning my rather, nobody has my position is not damaged. Yeah. My position is not damaged, but I would rather see that person's position also be damaged. Yeah. Now net, it doesn't make any sense. Mathematically, it doesn't make any sense. It's better one of us have something. But that's the nature of jealousy. But that's a, the nature also of, of people. When, when, there's, there's when a, somebody suffers, they rather have not only themselves, but if everybody yes. is... Right, is, right. Goes down. Down. Uh, misery, misery, what's it called? Misery deser- likes company, right? Misery likes company, <laughs> true. But I don't know if it's that. I, think, I mean, jealousy and it's misery. Jealous. True, they may operate in that, but this is... There's a, there's a story I think I heard from Rabbi Mansur. He, it was a very, very, very nice mashal. He said, it, a, a very jealous man goes to Shamaim. A very jealous man goes to Shamaim and he, he has, he's very jealous of this guy. And Shamaim, they say, you're going to get anything you want. You can have whatever you want. We're going to pay you millions of dollars. Just name your price. So the guy starts thinking, let me think, how much, like maybe a billion, trillion, whatever. And then they, the, in Shamaim, they tell him there's one caveat. That that person that you're jealous of, whatever you get, he gets double. So then that changes all of a sudden. The man is not so sure if he wants a billion dollars anymore. So maybe a million is good enough. Maybe but then a million, if I get a million, he gets two million. So maybe a hundred thousand. So he goes back to Shalem and he says, you could take one of my eyes. Meaning that the other person will, take, will lose two eyes. So what is that? what's the, the point of the mashal? That jealousy, that what, what jealousy does is we, we can... Be set for life. We can have everything we want. We can get a birach, all the birachah that we want. But seeing the other person have more than us Erases them. will make us so miserable that we'll rather have nothing and see him have even less than nothing. It's an interesting mashal. Yeah. Okay? And I, it seems to be borne out in the story here. The woman says, oh, this, kill, a, kill a kid. Yes. So when the king says, give her the live child, do not kill him. He imo. This is his mother. All, all of Israel heard the judgment that the king said and they feared him because they saw that the wisdom of God was within him to do justice. Okay, there are two references to our parasha which I did not tell you yet. We saw the first one, There are two more. Did you guys figure them out? So the first one is Nikhmeru Rachameha al When this when the the mother of the child sees that Shlomo wants to kill him, she develops uh her, no, she not not Yuda. Her her um what was the word used? Compassion. Her compassion was stirred. Her compassion was stirred. We saw we see the compassion of someone being stirred in our parasha as well, and that is Yosef. Yosef at the very end of our parasha. 
כי נכמרו רחמיו, I think, ויבקש לבכות, ויבוא החדרה, ויבשמה. I think it's whenever he brings the brothers and he sees that they're fighting each other and, and blaming each other for what they did to Yosef. We'll see it, we'll see it when we do the parasha. But at some point, Yosef's compassion is stirred. It uses the same words even. That's the, the, the second uh, textual connection to our parasha. And the third one, and then Boris Paro, how does Paro describe Yosef? A man who has the spirit of God within him. Is there a man who has the spirit of God within him? So uh, those are the textual connections to our parasha. It, this is a beautiful story about where we see the dangers of jealousy, of how how much it can cloud our vision. And the greatness of justice, how... And, the, and it's the greatness of justice of how Shilomo, he, he, so he had so much chokhmah that wow. he was able to pay attention and he, he was able to realize that the motherly affection for a child would, would not let that mother give up the child that easily. And he knew that once he did that, the real mother would come forth. It was a, it's a beautiful insight he had into the, into the mind of these women. never let the child... Never. Right. Um, one thing I want to, to add, um, we're done with Aftarah, but yesterday uh, I tried recording the answer to Yoram's question and then it didn't, it didn't go on for some reason. So do you remember what his question was at the end? He, he was asking about, he was asking about, Yoram's here? Not yet. Okay, so, so he asked, at the end, at, in our parasha, it says that when Yosef wanted to sin with the wife of Potiphar, that Rashi says, what, what did he see that stopped him from doing so? He saw the face of his father. And then you're almost saying, what is the meaning of that Midrash? So we gave one interpretation to the Midrash. I think it, it's a valid interpretation, which is that one of our chief concerns that we're going to, we, we have with Yosef, one of the main concerns we're going to have is will he be able to maintain the honor and the, the morality of his household? He, as a young boy, with so much to, to, to gain and so much uh, going for him, is all alone, you know, in the, most, in the darkest place, in a place of pure materialism. He could have and, and, we, he and he could have taken from whatever he wanted. He probably had a lot, a lot of suitors. And he could have been as immoral as he wanted with no consequence. And here specifically, he was being offered an opportunity where nobody would ever know. Of course, the wife of Potiphar could keep it hidden, right? And our question is, is Yosef going to be able to withstand the pressure? And if so, what is it that is holding him back? And the answer I think that the Midrash is trying to, say, is trying to give is that even when Yosef was in this dark place in Mitzrayim, even when he was in the middle of a place where it would have been so easy to forget his father's morals, it was the father's household, the morality of the father's household which kept him... Which kept him doing the right thing which kept him from sinning I think that's the point of the Midrash to tell us that there is going to be this internal struggle in Yosef as, as to should he hold on to his father's morality and yeah of course it is I mean and, and, then, and then the answer is in this specific instance with the wife of Potiphar you may say that it was his fear of God you may say that it was his fear of getting caught you may say that it was his honor and his his uh, dignity that, that he wanted to show respect to his master, 
But at the end of the day, it was actually the morals of his father's household which kept him in check. I think that's the meaning of the no mirage doubt. there. No I, th- I think, uh, and, and we're going to see, will Yosef be able to maintain his morality? Continue to maintain it. Yeah, continue to maintain well, it. Now, this week's parasha is difficult. difficult. This week's parasha gets very difficult because and there's frankly, one scene. Even if he would have done anything, who could blame this guy? No, you couldn't blame him. You know, instead he surpassed. A 17-year-old boy, a 17-year-old boy, away what kind of, home. away from home. Away from the way he got treated. Sold. How can you blame the Sold. guy if he does something like that? Nobody's coming looking for him. Yeah, so I think that's the meaning of the Midrash. Um, there is a lot in this week's parasha. There's a troubling section of a parasha when he names his kids, mm-hmm. where we think that he may be losing his connection. I mean, it's a progress, right? Right. There's only so much time he can spend in Mitzrayim before he starts to lose his connection. Also because he became such a high-ranking yeah, yeah. person that... And he names his kids, and he, the first one is, Ki nashani Elohim et kol amaliv et kol betavi. God caused me to forget all of my, my suffering in the house of my father. And we say, what? He's forgotten the house of his father. That's bad news. But the good thing is immediately after that, the brothers come. The brothers come. So he's once again reminded of the house of his father. Okay, we're going to, it's going to be a fascinating parasha. It's a difficult parasha because I, I, nobody, it's very hard to tell what is Yosef trying to do. What exactly is Yosef up to? Is he vengeful? Very true. It keeps you really between the vengeance. Is he vengeful or is, or he, is he testing them? Or does judgmental he thing want also. them to do teshuvah? Sure. Or is he just, does he just love? The, I don't know. Does he just want Binyamin? Maybe he wants to take Binyamin and leave them. Whatever it is, we have a lot to study. Baruch Adonai Lulam. He held his car. 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 He held his car.